First of all, I'm going to read from 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and from verse 8. And it says there, And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, He has scattered abroad his gifts to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. The service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of God's people, but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Because of the service by which you have proved yourselves, men will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. And in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace God has given you. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. That's the passage we're going to be focusing on tonight. There's just one other little verse, few verses that I'd like to read, just from Matthew chapter 2, from verse 7. Events that are part of the Christmas story that we're leading up to. And we read that then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He, he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and make a careful search for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me, so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star... They were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. There, then they opened their gifts and presented him with gifts of gold and of incense and of myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. Let's just pray. Father, we... Thank you for tonight, thank you for all that we've heard so far and all that we've yet to hear and all that we've yet to witness and we just pray you'll help us to see that this isn't something that you just want us to watch on but you want us to actually be part of this because you want to speak into our lives too. May we be ready to hear your voice and obey, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now we know that this is the the time of year when many people's minds are, are focused, aren't they? on the subject of gifts, gifts that we need to buy, gifts that we, I don't know, perhaps hope we'll receive, gifts that we maybe got years ago, but we still remember them because they were just so good. The excitement of of opening those presents still lives on to an extent in our memories, even today. But, you know, let's be honest. Most of us have also received gifts that have disappointed, haven't we? You know, those ones that you open and you think, why did they ever get that for me? Who do they think I really am? Well, with that in mind, 
Let me share with you a couple of stories from letters written to newspapers. Here's the first one. My grandma once gave me a jogging suit, body wash, and some perfume for Christmas. This wasn't a disappointing gift until she added a few words of explanation. If you use that stuff, maybe you'll finally get a boyfriend. (laughs) Thanks, Granny. And then there was the the man who who wrote in to tell of his experiences with his girlfriend, later actually his fiancée. And his girlfriend, she was one of those people who always squeezed and poked away at presents under the Christmas tree to see if she could guess what they were. The trouble was that she was a really good guesser and she almost invariably guessed right. Well, he got fed up with this and so that Christmas, after they just got engaged, he decided to take action. He bought her a pair of diamond earrings. I think that's what I bought my wife just that normally it wasn't. Anyway, <laughs> but he also bought a pair of the cheapest, nastiest, trashiest pair of shoes in her size, ones that he knew that she would hate. He bought them for her. And he taped these earrings into a corner of the inside of the lid of the box. I like this man more and more. Now, he wrapped this box up, he put it under the tree, and she spent weeks trying to guess what her present was. She went through many different options, from expensive trainers to designer shoes to exclusive boxes of lotions and potions and perfumes. Can you imagine her reaction? when she opened up that box on Christmas Day. After an hour, a whole hour, my admiration grows more and more. This man told her where the earrings were. He must have had nerves of steel. Surprisingly, for me anyway, at the end of this letter, this man shared that he and his then fiancé have now been happily married for a number of years. Don't know what it's like, but it worked for them. But tonight, here at this special baptismal service, I would like to begin by thanking many of you for your gift. And that's the gift that a number of you as parents and grandparents, etc. And also, Owen, I want to say you've done a pretty good job with your wife, Catherine, as well. The gift that you've given us in the wonderful people whose baptisms we're celebrating here tonight. For while the majority of them are young people, yeah, I would say to you, please don't jump to the conclusion that this is just a group of young people here jumping on a bandwagon and that this is some kind of Baptist rite of passage and that once one decided to do it, they all decided to do it too. Because that is just not the case. For this group of people of varying ages have impressed me as much as any group that I've ever baptised. They are ready to grapple with their faith, ready to work at growing in their understanding, and they want to live out their faith day by day. They have a relationship 
with Jesus Christ. They know Jesus in their heart and they want to declare their love for him tonight by being baptised. I don't think I've ever known any group of people as excited as being baptised as this group. It's in Facebook. I've read them. I'm getting baptised. I'm so excited. Fantastic. They're your gift to us. But more than that, they're God's gift to this church. And we are very grateful. But this introduces what I really want to focus on tonight. The gift that is in almost everyone's thoughts at this time of year. The greatest gift of all. God's gift to us, each one of us, in Jesus Christ. If you see that passage that I read just a few moments ago in 2 Corinthians, that makes it clear that the generous gift giving of Christians, in that particular example, it was to those in serious need, suffering from a severe famine. Indeed, all that is good, everything that is good that Christians do, that this is all, or should be all, inspired by God's gift to us in Jesus. 2 Corinthians 9.15 Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. And the gifts that the wise men gave on that first Christmas, and the gifts that we continue to give Christmas after Christmas, all of these originally, at their roots, were inspired by God's gift in Jesus Christ. And of course, these baptisms tonight, in their own way, these are a personal response by each person who's being baptised to God's gift of Jesus. But when we talk about, about God's gift to mankind, in Jesus Christ. What are we actually talking about? What we're talking about, well, it all begins with the birth of Jesus. Let me just say, by the way, that while we celebrate the birth of Jesus on December the 25th, don't take that too literally and imagine that that was the actual date of Jesus' birth. For the facts are that while there's a chance that it was, it's actually a 1 in 365 chance. Because, you see, what this was about was in the early church, they wanted to find a way to celebrate and to remember, to focus on all the main Christian teachings within the scope of a year. And to do that, they had to find a date for the birth of Christ. A date to celebrate and remember God's coming to earth as a man in Jesus. What technically the church calls the Incarnation. The date that best fitted into the order of the Christian year was December the 25th. But you know, I can well remember even now, and it was a long time ago, I can remember in my teens, mid-teens, back in my hometown of Stevenson, but the same age as a number of these young people being baptised, having no Christian background at all, and walking down the street wondering to myself, why is it? that we make all this fuss about this Jesus Christ. Couldn't figure that out. Why do we remember his birth, his life, his death? This man born now over 2,000 years ago. Why, of all the men and the women born on this earth, great kings and queens, people who ruled huge swathes of the world, people of incredible power and influence, why do we remember this Jesus? When almost every other human being who has walked this earth is at the very best dimly remembered 
unusually, totally forgotten. I mean, he never ruled any empires, never won any great battles. Rather, he was born as a Jewish peasant. He became, at his height, a famous religious teacher. But then, he was crucified on the cross. So why, out of all the people who have lived on the earth, is this man the best known, the most remembered of every man and woman who's walked this land? Well, because of who he and his followers claimed him to be. That is, that in Jesus Christ, God became a man. The God in Christ left heaven's glory to be born in that cradle, in that manger in Bethlehem. That's what we celebrate at Christmas. That unique, amazing miracle of grace. You see, the big question that so many people fail to go on to ask is why? Why would God do this? The answer that we are given is that it's all about love. It's all about incredible, wonderful, totally undeserved love. For you see, God made us, made mankind. He made us to love us and to know us because it is his nature to love. It's what he's about. And he made this beautiful world for us. He made it for us to enjoy and he placed us in it. And then he asked only that we love him in return and obey him. That we obey him so that he could guard us and protect us and so that he could lead us into all that is good. That's the only reason God wanted our obedience. But you see, we decided that we wanted to be in charge of our own lives. We decided right back at the beginning of time that we wanted to live life our way. So we rebelled against God there. We turned from God. We sinned. That's what the Bible says. And that sin brought sin and evil into this world and made death and suffering an inevitable part of our life experience. But most importantly, that sin led to a breakdown in our relationship with God. For our sin, our willing, deliberate choice to sin, separates us from a God who is totally holy, who's perfectly good and pure. See, this God, he can have nothing to do with anyone or anything that's tainted by sin. And this means that we cannot know him or his love in this life as we were intended to. And it leaves us facing eternal separation from God and from his love and from all that is good at this life's end. They see, we can't do anything about this situation. For it was our choice and our actions that got us into it. And so just a simple sorry doesn't deal with a situation that is so serious. So we're separated from God. Facing his judgment and all deservedly so. And humanly speaking, it seems as if there is no way out. Let me tell you, humanly speaking, there is no way out. But it's here that God in his amazing love, that God steps in. 
We don't deserve it and we certainly have no right to demand it. But God steps in and because he loves us for no other reason. He comes into this world and then in Christ he lives that perfect life we could never live. In the teaching of Christ he gives us all the guidance that we need in order to live a life that pleases God. He lives that perfect life that we could never live. Then on the cross, he gives that perfect life for us. He gives it for me and he gives it for you. As a man, he hangs in our place, takes our punishment, pays our price. There on that cross, in Christ, God gives his sinless, perfect life to pay not just the price of my sin or our sin, but to pay the price of all sin, of every sin, reaching right back to the very beginning of time. And so as it says in 1 John 4 verse 10, this is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sin. And as we then put our our faith in Jesus then, we can know God's presence, know God's love. We can experience God's blessing. All of that in this life, with all of this, just being a precursor of the perfect eternity of God that is to come. You see, this is God's gift to us. The greatest gift of all. Not just that baby born in the stable, but the Christ who went to that cross and all because of his love for us. But you know those gifts that are given sometimes where there's always more to come? You open up one package and then there's another one inside and on and on it goes really, really annoying. Well, in a sense, that's the way it is with Jesus because the story of Jesus doesn't end at the cross. For three days later, Christ rose from the dead. He defeated the power of evil and death and sin. And as we now put our faith in Jesus Christ, that same power, that power that brought him from the dead, that same power, the power of the Holy Spirit, that power comes into our life. Comes into our life to give us a new life, a new beginning, and to enable us to live the kind of transformed life that pleases God. A life where while we are still in this body, where we can still choose to sin, we can. But where we can no longer be driven to sin because the power of sin has been broken in our life. That's an outline of the basics of the Christian story, the Christian life, of the gift that God has given us in Jesus. But you know, you of course, you may be sitting there and you might might want to say, well, okay, but all this, this is just a story that men have made up. This is just a kind of first century fairy tale that only the gullible and naive would believe in. I would say to you, listen here, listen, please. This story of Jesus, the Gospels as we have them, were written by men who lived with Jesus. Men who walked through life with Jesus. They were witnesses 
of this. Witnesses of what they wrote. There's no doubt about that. And many of them, many of the first Christians, they died because of what they believed, what they said, what they wrote about Jesus Christ. I ask you, would they really be prepared to do that for something that they knew was a fairy story or at least something that had been embellished by them? Of course not. Of course they wouldn't. And these people tonight who are being baptised, by being baptised, they are telling you that this story, that the work of Jesus Christ still goes on. They're telling you that they have put their faith in him and that he has come into their lives in power. They have died with him, that their sins have been forgiven and put to death with him. And that they've been raised with him for sin's grip has been broken in their lives and God's power has come into their hearts in all his glory. And now because of that, they've got new life, new hope, new joy, new peace, new love. They're not perfect. They would never claim to be perfect. And if you ever do, just ask their mum and dad something. But we do, we think, we think they're wonderful. But they have been transformed. Not perfect, but they have been transformed. God has done something incredible in their life. But here, this is what I want to finish by saying to you. You know, tonight, you don't just have to be spectators of this. No, you can be part of this story. For what God has done in countless lives, right down through history, what he has done in their lives to these people here, God wants to do the same in your life tonight. And God will, as you by faith in him, as you reach out and take hold of God's gift for you in Jesus Christ, for each one of you. Let's come and pray. Father, we want to thank you for the powerful truths that a night like this witness to. We thank you for the privilege of being a part of this and pray that you'll continue to bless each one who shares. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.